Thank you, Jonathan. Okay. I want to get that in there. We are blessed to be here this morning. You know, I, I say all the time, and and for you know, I I, I know we got some rough edges here and there, and we got some warts and whatnot. But we are blessed to be a part of this church. We are blessed to be a part of a congregation where, where we can raise our children, we can raise our families, and we can be a part of a family. And I think that's awesome. And I just want to start by telling you thank you for so many people who have been active and involved. Uh, our Light the Night on Wednesday night, Dustin, you did a great job with that, and so many other people that, that worked on that. Uh, I couldn't be here, and, and typically, you know, I, I try to keep a pretty close watch on, well, you know, on what are my children learning, and what are the things that are being taught, and one of the things that, that happened, and I'm still trying to figure this out, but Thomas Neal apparently, apparently led our young people on Wednesday night, and my son came home, and he prayed his prayers on Wednesday night, Dear Lord, please help me to be oats and not sweet feed. Now, I've been wrecking my... I can't figure out what that means, Thomas, but, but apparently you did a great job with that, and we're thankful for that. Thank you to everybody who showed up yesterday for our work day. Uh, I know a lot of work went on. A lot of people got real dirty. Lee Oakley made me get up on the roof of this building yesterday. And if you saw the fire trucks and the helicopters, that's what was going on. Wes was on the roof, and <laughs> I was scared to death up there. But, uh, but we, we had a great day uh, working, but being together yesterday. And that just continues today. Uh, so many things going. Come to our meeting this afternoon at 4:45. Eddie, Eddie, won't, Eddie has Eddie's going to unveil his latest Halloween costume at four. No, elders' informational meeting at 4:45 this evening. I, I hope hope that you'll be there. But stick around tonight. Some of our young men are going to be leading us in our worship service. Come, come out and support those young men. I still remember standing up at the Shady Acres Church of Christ the first time that, that, that I got to speak. And it was 58 seconds long. Okay, I was scared to death, but, but it really had a major impact on my life. So if, you're, if your kids are speaking, if your grandkids are speaking, be here. But even if they're not, would you come like your kids or grandkids are going to be speaking? It would be awesome tonight if we had this crowd to support our young men this evening. So it's going to be a really great time. Wednesday night, is our, we have our Wednesday night meal. Uh, our, our ladies' Bible class is going to be taking care of that, and we're looking forward to that. Um, that's at 6. At 6.30, we're having a meeting for anyone who's interested in going on our Honduras mission trip that's going to be coming up before we know it at the end of May. And uh, if you're interested in that, especially if you're a medical professional, we'd love to have you come with us. So come at 6.30 for that. Next Sunday... Next Sunday is a big day. We're going to be having what we're calling a Love and Learn Sunday. I don't know if you know it or not, but every day there are hundreds of people from our community that come into our building and they bring their children back here to Love and Learn. Every day they're in and out of our building. A lot of those folks are not here this morning. Some of, some of you are, but a lot of them aren't. And we want, to, we want to create an environment or an opportunity to invite those people to come and come and see not just what Love and Learn is about, come and see what the Savannah Church of Christ is about, because that's really what Love and Learn is about, right? And so next Sunday, our day is going to be a little bit different. Okay? We'll have our Bible classes just like normal. We'll start at 9 o'clock, but we're going to end our Bible classes at 9.30. So Bible classes from 9 o'clock, and we'll end those at 9.30. At 
Be in the auditorium because those young people are going to be up here on the stage. And they're going to put on a little program. This is why their parents and their grandparents really want to be here, right? But they're going to be here and they're going to put on a little program about, about what they're thankful for. And I think there, I think there may be a, a video and some things like that. And then at 10 o'clock, we'll start our worship just like normal and it'll be focused around the idea of love and learn. Pat's told me that already we have over 100, over 100 people who have committed to being here next Sunday. That's not, that's not us committing to being here. That's folks that go to Love and Learn and their parents and grandparents that are going to be here. So we're going to have a big day, right? And then after that, we're going to have a potluck, invite them to come and stay. And I want, I want, I want you to show them how the ladies in this congregation can cook, okay? Because I know you can. i got a notch on my belt. Savannah Church of Christ. It says right there. Okay? It used to be smaller. And then we'll have a 1 o'clock service, and we'll have a great day next Sunday. So... You know what? Just a lot of awesome things that are going on. And I, th- I hope that you feel it. I hope that you're taking advantage of it. Hope- and-, and we could go on even longer with things going on. But we're right to our lesson. Alright? We are in Matthew chapter 23. And I- 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 that slide says Matthew 24, but that's not right. It's Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 24 is all about the structure in Jerusalem and the Lord's coming. And we're not talking about that this morning. We're going to talk about Pharisees. Have you ever met a Pharisee, Bradley? Have you ever met a Pharisee? Have you ever been called a Pharisee? I think I've probably met a Pharisee, and I know I've been called a Pharisee before. But in Matthew chapter 23, we're going to really see what the Pharisees are. You remember in Matthew 16, Jesus told all His disciples, You beware. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. These were people in ancient Israel who were the religious elite of the day. They were people who had an immense amount of power, an immense amount of influence, and they were people who were a great problem to Jesus. But even more than being a problem to Jesus, they were people that were a great problem that kept other people from coming to Jesus. And so we open up our Bibles... And you remember, it's still that Tuesday afternoon of the Passion Week. And Jesus has just gone through playing 20 questions with every sort of religious group that that was in the area as they came and they tried to trick Him and they tried to test Him and and all that transpired during this day. And now, towards the end of this day, Jesus is going to talk. Jesus is going to talk about something that's really uncomfortable. Something that's really not fun to talk about. As a matter of fact, this whole chapter in Matthew chapter 23 is just filled with uncomfortable things. Ugly things, it would seem in many ways, where Jesus just really isn't going to have much good to say to the people who He was calling the Pharisees. But you know, before we get into this, to this speech, I want us to look at the end of the speech. And I want us to understand what is really going on here in the city of Jerusalem. You know, it would be easy for us to look at Matthew chapter 23 and say, you know what, Jesus is just mad. Jesus has had it up to here with these Pharisees and He's going to put them in their place and He's going to tell them like it is and they're going to walk away and they're going to know who Jesus is. And there's some truth to all of that. But if that's all we think is going on here in Matthew chapter 23, then we are really missing the context. 
We're really missing the drama that's beginning to unfold here. And I say that based on what I read in Matthew 23 and verse 37. At the end of this speech, this diatribe, if you will, Jesus says this, and you can almost picture him, and he's, he's been ranting and raving. And I, I, I heard this guy on the radio the other day. I had some problems with my voice th- this week, and I, and I heard this guy that I wondered if that's what I sounded like, because he just ranting and raving. And he, man, this guy was mad at the world. And, and that's almost what it sounds like here in Matthew chapter 23. And then finally it's like, <sighs> I'm going to catch my breath. Jerusalem. I'm not saying these things because I'm just mad. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I gather your children together. I wanted to gather your children together. The way that a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you shall not see me, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want us to understand that what we have here in Matthew 23 is a plea that is filled with compassion. Have you ever had to talk to somebody? I mean, have you ever had to talk to somebody about something that they had done that was really bad? And they really shouldn't have done it. And maybe they did it to you, and maybe they did it to somebody else. But, but, but the fact of the matter was, we had to talk about it. And it broke your heart to talk about it. And you've said in the conversation, and, and, every, and every word that comes from your mouth is exactly true about the situation. But it hurts you. It really does. As bad as it hurts them. Have you ever had to talk to somebody about their life and it brought tears to your eyes? That's what's going on here. Jesus is speaking to His people. Jesus is speaking, yes, to the Pharisees, but but the idea of the the Pharisees were not all bad. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was a Pharisee. He cared about God. He gave everything in his life to serving God. He gave his life probably in greater ways than than, than most of us give our lives to serving God. And it was breaking the heart of the Savior of the world that these things were true. That these people who thought that they were saved were really so far away from what God wanted. Friends, in the end, if we die outside of Christ... If our souls are lost, and most souls... That's the special thing about the church and being a part of the church. Is that we're not going to be like the many. But most souls that are in this world are going to be lost. But they're not going to be lost because Jesus didn't care. They're not going to be lost because God didn't want them to be saved. They're not going to be lost because He was indifferent or He didn't care or He didn't do this or He didn't do that. They're going to be lost in spite of everything within the power of God that has been done to save our souls and to show us a better way. And Jesus is frustrated. Why won't you listen? Why are you doing these things? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! Why? 
Bonhoeffer said, it is a cry of compassion. And we miss the spirit and the purpose unless we catch the accent of pity quivering in its sternest sentences. What is it? It is a cry. It is a cry of hope that maybe still yet they might listen and they might repent. Because the Gospel is not preached when we simply decry the sinfulness of the world. You could stand in this pulpit and every other pulpit and decry the sinfulness of the world and have no shortage of material. The Gospel is preached when we, when we deal with the sinfulness of the world and we show a path of hope. We show a way of escape. That way that comes through repentance. That way that comes through, for, through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's what's going on in Matthew chapter 23. As Jesus begins to talk to the Pharisees. Now the biggest problem that they face and what the theme for, for the entire chapter it's, it's an ugly word, but it's hypocrisy. He was talking to a group of people who were claiming to be one thing, but they were not being that. They wanted to be perceived as being exceptionally religious people, but the reality was they were not religious at all. That hip hypocrite, not inconsistency. Jesus was not speaking to a group of people who were simply struggling with their faith. He was not speaking to, to, to a group of people who, who espoused lofty ideals of the law but failed to, to live up to those laws. That's not who the Pharisees were. That may be who you are, and that may be who I am from time to time, but what we're dealing with here is much, much worse than that. That idea of a hypocrite that goes back to that actor on a stage who's pretending. Who's pretending to be something that he actually is not. A hypocrite is not someone is not is not someone who simply who simply fails to live out a perfect life. If that were the case, I could go around this room and every one of us, and we could start right here, would be a hypocrite. I hope and I pray I'm not a hypocrite. I may be a lot of things, but I, but, but a hypocrite, I pray, is not one of them. All of us say things and do not do them. All of us have great intentions that we don't carry forth. Even the great Apostle Paul would talk about that struggle within his own life. Inconsistency is not hypocrisy. A hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone who intentionally tries to deceive others. Oh, I am religious. Oh, I, I am a Christian. Oh, I am a godly man. They intentionally try to deceive others in regards to our spiritual status. And I want us to say we, we need to be very careful with the way that we toss around these labels, with the way that we talk about hypocrites, and even the way that we talk about Pharisees. There in verse 2, Jesus says, The scribes and the Pharisees, they have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, Therefore, all that they tell you, do, not, do, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things, and they do not do them. And they tie up heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. 
Friends, our deeds are supposed to be noticed by men. We are supposed to be a light in a world of darkness. I want us to, there's nothing wrong if somebody finds out that what motivates you and moves you is righteousness in God. But there is something wrong when we do those things to be noticed. And there's a world of difference in those things. As I look at myself and say, why am I doing that? Why am I being what I'm being? And, and, and that's not an excuse to stop, to stop doing. It's a challenge to look at our hearts and say, why am I doing these things? Because what they were doing, they were doing to be seen. Do as I say and not as I do. So they broadened the, their, their phylacteries. I can't even say it. Their, their phylacteries. And they lengthened the tassels of their garments. What were they? Was it right to have a frontlet or a phylactery? I can't even say it. A phylactery? Was that right? You know what that is? It's a little box. And if you, if you, if you have, listen, if you have your phone out right now, you can Google it. You can Google it in church just, just to see a picture of what this is. It was a little box that they would take, a little black box, and they would strap it on their forehead or they would strap it on their arm. And within that box, they would place the Word of God so that no matter where they went or what they did, they would be reminded of God. Is that a biblical idea? You go back to the Shema, to to the most holy of all all the the law there in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And you read about those things. And so now when, when, when you see Orthodox Jews many times, they will have a little black box or on their forehead or on their arm. You'll think, what, what is that? There's nothing wrong with that. But what they did was they, they would broaden them. Let's make it a little bit bigger. Let's, let's make it as if a box on your forehead wasn't big enough to draw attention to you. Let's, say, let's make our box just a little bit bigger so that everybody will see. My box is bigger than your box. My godliness, my righteousness, it's, it's more than yours. They would lengthen the tassels. Once again, something that, something that God has had to do. Put these, put these tassels, you can read about it in Numbers chapter 16. Put these tassels on your garments so, so that you will remember the law. But when they came along, they said, well, we're going to put tassels, but we're going to make them extra long. And they're going to drag the ground so that people can't help but notice our righteousness and our godliness. The problem with the Pharisees was that they would take God's will. They would take God's law and they would build out around it. They would build hedges of protection and they would build hedges of promotion. For what purpose? For their own purposes. That's the problem. It is one of hypocrisy. It was, not, it was not one of coming to Christ. It was not one of simply purely trying to seek out the will of God for their lives. It was about putting on a show. I want you to know how great I am. And Jesus began to talk about, about how they love the place of honor at the banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues, verse 6. And they love the respectful greetings. They love their, their, their titles that people would bestow upon them to be called rabbi, to be called teacher, to be called father. Now all throughout Scripture we see people receiving many of these titles. The problem is not with the titles. That's not what he's making reference to here. 
Even Paul would talk about being the father in faith to some. The problem is when those titles are used to elevate ourselves. The title of preacher, the title of pastor, the title of elder, the title of reverend, the title, I mean, you on and on these religious titles. Some that we use, some that we don't. But when those titles become something that, that, that are used to, to infer to others of the great relationship that I have with God as opposed to you, the common people, there's a problem with that. Jesus said, knock that off. There's no place for that. It's not about you being great. It's not about your honor. That's not about what these things are intended to convey. You are people who care too much about yourself. And the reality is that pure and undefiled religion simply doesn't exist within you. And He launches off into several woes. Woe to you. You are really bad, is what He's saying. You need to stop in your tracks. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Right? This is not pleasant. This is not pleasant. Because, because He says you shut off the kingdom of heaven from men. For, for you yourselves do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. They struggled with the idea of valuing the truth. On and on we see these Pharisees, especially in, in John's Gospel. A man, a man who has been blind for many years receives his sight. And, and what does he receive for his trouble? He receives intimidation. He receives manipulation. If you're going to follow after Jesus, then you're going to be out of the synagogue. The fact that a miracle had been done, no one argued with that. But that miracle was not done by, by, by what we perceived or what we thought or what we had formed in our minds it was going to be. They didn't value truth. They valued their own expectations. And the bad part was it didn't, it didn't just affect them. It affected all people because they had power. If you follow Him, it's going to be a problem for you. And they kept other people out of the kingdom. They valued money over mercy. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses even while for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you shall receive greater condemnation. And I don't know exactly what it was that they were, how they devoured widows' homes, but, 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 but everyone knows that, that many times as people become older, they become dependent on other people. Many times even becoming dependent on the church. Many of you are in situations where you are responsible for, for an elderly member of your family. And you're not just responsible for the little things of, the, of their life. They've turned everything over to you. And it's a, it's a sense of, of amazing and immense responsibility. Choices where you have to choose where you have to choose what is good for that person over what might be good for you. But apparently they would choose what was good for them. Even, even to the neglect, even to the devouring of widows' houses. All the while they would come and make great long flowered prayers about their relationship with God. Hypocrisy. They struggled with a level of activity versus an authentic faith. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
Because you travel about on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he, and he, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Wow! Can you imagine a preacher saying that? That's what Jesus said. Why, why, why would Jesus say those things? Activity, being busy, is not the solution. Traveling halfway around the world is not, all, is not always the solution. It's what you do when you get there. It's the message that you share with them. Did the, did, did the Pharisees care even to the point of their own sacrifice? Yeah, they had to have cared. You, you wouldn't have done these things. But the truth of the matter was, they weren't teaching them the truth. That truth being who Jesus really is. That falsehood based on their own traditions, based on, on, the, on the teachings of those Pharisees. Hypocrites. They were people who chose convenience over commitment. Woe to you! Can you imagine sitting in that audience knowing that Jesus was talking to you? Because there really were people in that audience who Jesus really was speaking to. I wonder. I wonder how many it made a difference in. I have to believe it, it changed some. I have to believe that this got the attention of some of those of some of those who were persecuting him. I also have to believe that this is the final straw. I mean, they've been upset and, and, and they've been after Jesus, and, but, but this, is, this is going to be the final straw. You, you, you want to know what, what pushes them into full crucifixion mode? I mean, we, we're changing. Remember, many of these same people were shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? On that, on that Palm Sunday, we say, who in just a, just a few short days are going to be shouting out, Crucify Him! Crucify! What changed? Jesus came. Jesus came and He preached. It changes. There were many who simply got upset, who simply got mad. Blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important? The gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? What are you doing? You're creating these complex structures of organization that have nothing to do with the Bible, they have nothing to do with the will of God, and you're creating them just so that you can get out of, of, of following God. You're looking for loopholes. And I'm going to tell you, friends, if we're looking for loopholes, we'll find them. We'll make them up if we, if we need to. We've seen it. We've done it. Oh, I, I swear... I swear that, 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 that this is the truth. I swear, by, I swear by the temple itself. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Oh, well, that's really not binding. And even though I told something wasn't true, you know, it's only binding if you swear by the, by the gold of the temple. You read, you read, I think it's in Mark 7, you, you, Mark 6 or 7, you read about this thing that they created called, called Corbin, right? This idea of Corbin where, where, they, where God says that we should honor our mother and father and care for our families, but, but they had created this idea that, that, that I can take my money and I can put it in, in Corbin, which is basically I've committed it to God, even though I'm still using it today, I've committed it to God at some point, so I can't use it to feed my own mother. I mean, it sounds like some kind of a tax dodge. Right? 
But they made these things up. Why? Because they were hypocrites. Because they valued convenience over commitment. When I sit down and I look in that mirror and I ask, why do I do what I do? I need to come back to the Word of God. And don't add to that. Don't, don't neglect it, but don't add to that. They, they were people who majored in minors and minored in majors. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are the things you should have done without, without neglecting the others. Listen, someone, someone is not a Pharisee simply because they ask for a strict interpretation of, of, of the will or the law of God. Something is, someone is not a Pharisee simply because they are conservative. Oh, we need to understand that. He said, there's nothing wrong with doing these things. But there is something wrong with doing these things if you neglect the weightier matters. He draws this picture of how they would tithe. But, but they wouldn't just tithe of, of, of big things. They, they, they would take their tithing all the way down to tithing of mint and dill. When you go home this afternoon, you, you go and you look in your spice cabinet and you get out mint or dill. And just put some on a paper plate. And I want you to just, just, spend, just spend five minutes trying to put nine pieces of, of mint over here and, nine pieces of, and one piece of mint over here. Nine over here and one over here. And you're going to need a microscope to do it. What are you doing? What are you doing? What about justice? What about mercy? What about faithfulness? Don't you understand that without those things, you can tithe all day long and it doesn't make a hill of beans worth a difference? That's the problem that the Pharisees had. They valued minors more than they valued the majors. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. They were people. They were people who valued appearance versus the actual truth. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but on the inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. You paint the outside of the tomb you make it look so fancy. You make it look so fine. John, I don't know if I sent... Did I send you the picture of, 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 the grave, of the gravestone I saw the other day? If you go, if you go, to, down, if you go to downtown Memphis, uh, there at the Elmwood Cemetery, there is a beautiful, I mean a beautiful monument that is wider than I'm standing and it's taller than I'm standing and it's got this, this, this bust of a man and it's the grave of John Overton. I've got, it's, it's, you're in Memphis, okay? Do you know what's in there? I mean, I mean you, you're driving through a cemetery and you're like, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. But do you really know what's in there? Dead bones. Dead men. Nastiness. Ugliness. And he said, that's the reality of what's happened in your spiritual lives. How, how as a people have you gotten to this point? 
because you've, you've cleaned up on the outside, but you failed to clean on the inside. And when, the, when the invitation is extended, whether it's by West Hazel in Savannah, Tennessee, or it's by Jesus Christ in the city of Jerusalem, He's not asking you to put on a nice paint job. He's just not. He's asking you to purify your inward self. The outside will take care of itself. Jesus came for what is real, what's on the inside, what is in actuality. He said, I hope that you, I hope that you don't just hear the wrath and the voice of Jesus. And actually, I do hope you hear it because I do think it's real. But I hope that you hear the pity. I hope that you hear the frustration. I hope that you connect it to one of those conversations that you've had, just like Jesus was having, where, where, the, where the words are absolutely true, but it's killing you to even say them. Jesus says to them, Stop. Stop. Come and follow Me. Come and follow Me before it's too late. Come and follow Me while there is still air within, within your body. Come. I'm trying to show you a better way. I'm trying to show you a way, friends, where, where we can clean the inside, where we will honor widows and orphans. I'm trying to, to, to show you a way where, where whosoever can come and will come into, into My kingdom. I'm trying to show you a way where it's not about loopholes. It's simply about people striving to follow Christ wherever Christ may, may, may lead. It's not about putting on airs and what people think about you. It's simply about you coming and bowing down before the throne of God. It's about being a servant. And I, I did all this. I left heaven. I came to earth. I lived as a man. I've been persecuted. I've had people spit at me. I've had people say all sorts of terrible things about me. Ultimately, I'm going to go to hang on the cross. And I'm doing it for you. And I want you to understand that. And you may look at this and you may say, well, I'm, I'm not a Pharisee. Good. I'm glad. I don't think I know many Pharisees. I really don't. I know some inconsistent people. I shave with one of them every day. I don't know many Pharisees. But I hope that you'll see the plea that Jesus makes and understand that the same way that Jesus felt about these people, He feels about you and about me. And all that He wants, more than anything else, this is what He died for. He wants to gather us, He wants to gather us together just the same way that a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And the question for us this morning and every time we come together and every day of our life is are we willing? Are we willing to embrace Jesus Christ? Are we willing to come to be baptized into His death? Are we willing to accept His forgiveness? Are we willing to walk in His grace? Are we willing... Are we willing to follow Him? That's what He wants. Not because He wants to be some mean overlord. That's not what He's saying here. Because He wants to be our Savior. Your Lord and your Savior's calling. Just like He called those people. I, truthfully, I, I don't know. 
I speculated already this morning. I don't know what difference it made in everyone that heard that morning. I don't know. But I know what difference it can have for each of us today. So if you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing.